Today on Resonate, Satan and his demons are determined to keep you in the dark. Here's Micah Clutinati. We are children of the light. If Christ has called you, he's called you out of darkness into his light that we might shine that light into the darkness, not embrace it in our humanity. And where Christ is, demons will flee. Welcome to Resonate, a production of Gospel City Church in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. In the 1950s, C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Screwtape Letters. And in the preface of that book, he said this, There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased with both heirs and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. Well, isn't that true now more than ever? We either live life as if Satan didn't exist, which is perfectly fine with Satan and the demons, or we get too fascinated with the realm of the occult, and that's perfectly fine with Satan and the demons as well. This week and next week on Resonate, Micah Clutinati will help us get that right balance. He'll show us the power that Jesus has over disaster, demons, disease, and even death. Micah is the pastor of worship and creative arts at Gospel City Church. He's continuing in our series from the Gospel of Luke, Who Do You Say That I Am? From a message he delivered about a year ago, here's Micah. If you got your Bibles today, you can open them to Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through 56. Uh, It's really one big story uh, cut into four episodes of Jesus's ministry. But the main idea that the gospel of Luke is confronting us with today is this. Christ is exalted over disaster, demons, disease, and death. And when we get done uh, today reading this text, we're gonna realize that Jesus is everything he needs to be in order to fulfill God's plan in this life, all right? And it's easy uh, to read all of this. And and the idea is not that we would get our eyes on uh, the things that these people face, not that our eyes would be even on the healings or the relief that Jesus provides. The idea today is that our eyes would be on the bigness and the vastness and the control of Jesus in the midst of the things that we face in this life. But today, scripture will help us elevate Christ over our trials, our hardships, our pain, our temptations, our burdens and sicknesses and loss that we will all experience in this life. And it's in these moments that it will be easiest to doubt that God is in control. It's in these moments that we are tempted to not have faith in the goodness of God. And we can read these stories today. We can come with our own suffering today. And and when we read this, we can be tempted if we're not careful to believe a false theology that says, if I just follow Jesus well enough, if I just have enough faith, I can find relief from the hard things in this life. And brothers and sisters, that cannot be further from the truth. And yet it's in these moments that we suffer, that we find ourselves 
in storms and hardships and loss. It's often when the lights have seemingly gone out, when we've seemingly exhausted every human resource that we can find comfort in the truth from Nahum 1-7. The Lord is good. He knows those who take refuge in him. He is a stronghold in the day of trouble. It's never easy to talk about these things. And Satan certainly wants us to lose hope even here this morning. But I pray that as we look to God's word, we can take heart this morning in knowing that Christ is exalted over all and that he is most interested in making me more like him amidst the things that I go through. Now, before we dig in, I want you to remember that we're in uh, Jesus's first coming and he's in the days of ministry leading up to his death on the cross. And the gospels are always portraying Christ's kingdom cracking through. Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come because a day is coming where in the millennial reign of Christ, the healings and the miraculous events that we will read about today, they will be the new norm, all right? There will be no more pain. There will be no more sickness. There will be no more demons, no more death. And Christ here is portraying and foreshadowing in a supernatural way what will be the new natural when he comes again. But unfortunately for us, we find ourselves in the days in between. We look forward to what's to come. We set our eyes on things that are above, not on the things of this world, but we are enduring the brokenness of this world. But we don't have to suffer this morning like those who have no hope, but we can find our joy amidst the hardships in the truth of 2 Corinthians 4.17, that this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So let's dig into our text today. Point number one is this. I will have storms in this life, but Christ is exalted over every disaster. I will have storms in this life, but Christ is exalted over every disaster. We'll start reading in Luke chapter eight, verse 22. Jesus calms a storm. It says this, one day he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out and as they sailed, he fell asleep. Okay, so you can picture this. Here's Jesus after a long day of ministry. He's been preaching. He's been helping people. He's been healing people. He's been talking with people, hearing their stories. And uh, Jesus says, hey, the work's not done. I'm tired. Work's not done. Let's go across the Sea of Galilee to the other side, to where the Gentiles are. The message of my father needs to spread into a different region. So the work's never done. So him and his disciples, they get in a boat and they live sent to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, okay? And then it says that they got in the boat and you can picture it, there's a nice calm breeze on the water and they're sailing and Jesus, in his exhaustion from working all day, he falls asleep. It's a beautiful picture in this passage of the humanity of Jesus and the deity of Jesus. He knows everything that was about to happen because he's fully God, and yet he was fully man, and he was tired out from the work that he had been doing that day. And uh, I'm sure you, you can relate, and that's what Jesus was doing in that moment. And then let's read what happens. A windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water 
and were in danger. So that escalated uh, really quickly. It came down suddenly, raging waves, strong wind. Uh, it's, it, here's something interesting about the Sea of Galilee. It's perfectly situated to experience uh, severe and strong winds uh, because of how it's located off the desert and, and it's low and it's got this bowl shape. It's pretty normal for the Sea of Galilee to get five to six foot waves. In 1992, there were 10 foot waves recorded crashing over the seawall into the city of Tiberias and it was causing significant damage, okay? So it, it, it can be calm and then five minutes later be experiencing these raging winds and these tumultuous waves. And now remember, the disciples, they're fishermen, and they're used to sailing these waters and they're used to navigating these storms and they know that that's pretty normal for the Sea of Galilee. So they're on this water and they're, everything's sailing along just fine and then all of a sudden they have a storm that's too big for them to manage. Now I gotta ask you before we move on, have you experienced this in your life? You're sailing along, everything seems peaceful, everything seems calm, you're enjoying the beauty of what's surrounding you. And then out of nowhere, you're hit with a ton of bricks, a storm. You find yourself in a disaster. I can tell you, I'm like, even this week for me has felt a little chaotic. At the beginning of the week, I was struggling. I was trying to sail my way through my own storm. I texted somebody. I'm like, man, I am stressed out. Man, I, can you pray for me? I'm like not handling things well. Okay, these things just happen to come. Maybe you can relate. Maybe in your family, things just feel disastrous or chaotic. Maybe in your marriage, everything was going perfect. Everything was great. We were best friends. Everything was easy. And then out of nowhere, something hits you and it's as if you can't communicate. You're not loving one another. Maybe it's in your parenting. Maybe your job. You were getting the promotion. You got a raise. You were loving life. And all of a sudden, disaster hit. Maybe it's in your relationships. For me, I remember uh, seven years ago, I brought home our daughter, Callie. Uh, she's my second daughter. And um, we're enjoying the things that come with having a new baby in our house. We're holding her, seeing her smile, notice little things. And about two months in, uh, she was having trouble breathing and we rushed to the hospital and then they start drawing blood and they take her from me to do a spinal tap and they're talking blood transfusion. Turns out she was septic. They admit her to the hospital for 16 days over Christmas. Everything was going so smooth and then out of nowhere, I find myself in this disaster. And that's what they do. Storms seem to come out of nowhere and leave us panicked, anxious, and afraid, don't they? And you are either sailing your way into a storm, you're in the middle of a storm right now, or you're on your way out of a storm. But storms seem to come in this life, don't they? Let's look what the disciples do. In 24, it says, they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was calm. Where do you run in the midst of your storms? It doesn't tell us how long the disciples tried to sail their way through the storm. They tried to figure it out until they woke Jesus up. 
I do know that we often take it into our own hands, don't we? We either bend towards anger or sadness or maybe calculation. We try to fix it. We try to avoid it. We try to solve it. Everybody moves towards something under pressure. And yet often we forget that we need to move towards Jesus. And the disciples here give us a great example. They show us that it is right and it is good to run to Jesus in the midst of our storms. It says that Jesus, he woke up from his great nap that he was having in the middle of this chaotic storm, which I just think is awesome that he was sleeping. He just says, he rebuked the wind and the waves and there was calm. Not, hey, let's give these waves a chance to die down calm. Not, hey, let's wait for an hour while the tide stops pushing and pulling. Jesus spoke and there was absolute standstill peace on the sea. He simply woke up and rebuked the waves and they ceased. We know from the other gospel accounts that Jesus said, peace, be still. In the middle of these disciples' disaster, fearing for their life, wondering what was gonna happen, thinking their boat was about to sink, Jesus basically wakes up and says, shh, be quiet. Our most dreadful storms are but a hush to our Savior. Our most dreadful storms are but a hush to our Savior. And look what it says in verse 25. He said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid and they marveled, saying to one another, who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water? And they obey him. What's scarier than having a storm outside of your boat? Having the creator of the universe inside your boat. <laughs> the disciples in that moment realized that Jesus is God. They realized that Jesus has power over the wind and the waves. They realized that Jesus is the son of the most high God. And it says that they feared him. Why? Because when God shows up in the middle of our disaster, when he shows his power in the things that we are facing, we realize that he is God and we are exposed. When God shows up, our humanity is exposed. When God shows up, our need for him comes to life. When God shows up, our sinfulness is brought into the light. And the disciples, they feared but they also marveled. They were terrifyingly amazed, okay? They marveled at his complete control. They stood in awe of what he could do. It also says that their faith, I think, I think in the middle of our disasters, when God shows up, our faith is always stretched to know that he is good and to know that he is God. That's the hardest thing to believe in the middle of the storm, and yet, when we get out of the storms, we often see how God has grown us in our own faith. Jesus said to them, where is your faith? It's not that the disciples didn't have any faith. It's just their faith was ineffective in that moment as they tried to struggle their own way, beat the air, get their own way through the storm rather than run to Jesus, the creator whom all storms have to pass through. You'll either try to sail your own way through storms or you'll wait on the one who calms them. 
You'll either try to sail your own way through storms, do it your own way, fight your own way, or you'll wait on the one who calms them. And I can't promise that in the middle of whatever you're going through right now, if you call out to the Lord, he will cause your storm to cease like he did for the disciples that day. But I do know that he can calm your storm and that when we are willing to wait on him, he renews our strength. When we are willing to stay our mind on him, he knows us. When we are willing to wait on him who calms our storms, he will show us that his grace is sufficient for us in the day of trouble. Let's keep going in the story. Number two is this, I will face spiritual attack, but Christ is exalted over Satan and his demons. I will face spiritual attack, but Christ is exalted over Satan and his demons. Verse 26, then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite of Galilee. So they get to the place. And when Jesus has stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time, he had worn no clothes and he had not lived in a house, but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. Jump down to 30. Jesus then asked him, what is your name? He said, legion, for many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside and they begged him to let them enter these. So Jesus gave them permission. Bad day to be a pig. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. Really bad day. Look at verse 34. When the herdsmen, horrible day to be a pig herdsman. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Okay, so lots of stuff going on here. The, the coolest thing, I think, is the last thing we saw the disciples doing in the boat is saying, who is this man? Even the wind and the waves obey him. And then Jesus gets to his destination, step outs on the land, and this demon-possessed man carrying thousands of demons in his body, okay? And the first thing that the demons and this demon-possessed man do is they fall down before Jesus and they say, what are you gonna do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Don't torment me. Who do the demons say that Jesus is? The demons know exactly who Jesus is. I think that's an awesome picture for us. The spiritual realm knows that Jesus is God. And they beg him not to send them into the abyss. The demons know their final destination. The abyss equals hell. The demons are awaiting eternal destruction. And so Jesus permits these demons to leave this man and enter this herd of pigs. But you'll notice whether it was the man or the pigs, uh, the demons are attacking and controlling and tormenting both. That's what demons do. And as you notice, the pigs run into the sea and they drown. That's what demons are all about. They're all about death. They're all about taking us over and wearing us down till there's nothing left to live for. There's nothing more to hope for. And death seems like the best 
option. Now, Satan and his army of demons is a real threat in the world that we live in today. Ephesians 6, 12 says this, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Satan is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he will devour. And his demons are waiting for the order. Tempt him, harass her, crush them. You know, I believe spiritual attack is a real thing, even in preparing this message this week. And uh, you can pray for Pastor Trent as he gets up to deliver God's word week after week after week. You better believe that Satan doesn't want that to happen. I think about my wife. Uh, She's on the front row here, and she gets our four kids ready to come to church every single week. And uh, I've never really helped her with that because I'm usually here. And uh, every week, for the most part, it's a struggle to get to church, not just because I have four sinners living in my household. Uh, But I believe Satan does not want my wife to get my family to church. And often I find myself texting her and saying, Satan wants you to lose this morning. Satan wants you to lose this battle. You gotta come. The house of the Lord can bring encouragement to you today. But that's a a hard thing. You can pray for our family. And I know that you struggle uh, with the same thing that Satan wants to attack your family anytime you are carrying the good news of Jesus. But most likely you haven't experienced demon possession, at least to the caliber of this man. But my wife and I, we have got to sit with some missionaries from other places I've been to other countries. I've read stories of missionaries in other countries. And this darkness, this demonic spirit is a real thing. There's witch doctors and tribes in other countries who, and and just unthinkable, dark, evil things. And you better believe that Satan is ready to go and occupy that space. But even here in America, I've sat with many who have been so far out of their own control, whether it was due to alcohol or drugs or pornography. Man, pornography will wreck you. It will take over your mind. It will leave you thinking that there is nothing good left in this life. Maybe deceit, maybe fear. You know, we often don't think about those things as tools of demons, but hear this, wherever we are willing to dabble with darkness, demons will be happy to occupy. We don't entertain ourselves with the darkness of this world. We don't medicate ourselves with the dark things of this world. We don't hold on to the dark things of this world. We are children of the light. If Christ has called you, he's called you out of darkness into his light that we might shine that light into the darkness, not embrace it in our humanity. And where Christ is, demons will flee. And yet it's often not the demons who have trouble recognizing who Jesus is. It's us. Keep reading in 35. Then the people went out to see what had happened and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, they were afraid. I love that. When Christ shows his power against darkness at his feet is where we fall always, every time. 
But look in verse 36. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the peoples of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes threw a big party and celebrated that Jesus healed this man. Wrong. Look what it says. They asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with them. Jesus sent him away saying, return to be in your home and declare how much God has done for you. And the man went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how Jesus, how much Jesus had done for him. That's awesome. Jesus steps foot on this land, impacts one man's life. And Jesus is like, it's all I need to do. I'll get on my boat and gladly go back. And the message of Jesus began to spread through that entire Gentile region. That should be an inspiration for us today. If the Lord has changed your life, go and share all that he has done for you. Like, let's have some boldness in our life like this man did. He wanted to be with Jesus, but happy to go and spread what Christ had done for him that day. But look at everybody else. They're afraid and they don't want to celebrate. They don't want to deal with Jesus. They don't want to recognize the power of Jesus in that moment. They ask him to leave their place. You will either protect your own demons by running Jesus out of your space, or you'll sit at the feet of him who slays them all. Man, temptation is going to come. Demons are going to tempt Man, I, I, I want to follow Christ, but I don't want to, that's asking too much. I don't want to let go of that. I, I, I want to be a Christ follower. I want to be like Jesus, but man, that's just asking too much. Demons are always going to tempt and either you will push Jesus out of your space like these people did that day or you'll remember your great need for him when the darkness is trying to enter, when your flesh is pulling you away from Christ, you will remember that God is faithful. He always provides a way of escape for those who are willing to look to him. You'll remember the prayer that we often sing. Come on, sing it with me. Lord, teach my song to rise to you when temptation, when temptation comes my way. And when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. And Jesus, you're my hope and stay. You'll either push him out or you'll sit at his feet. listening to the worship pastor of Gospel City Church, Micah Klutnati, reminding us of this. Even though we will face spiritual attack, Christ is exalted over Satan and his demons. That is a comforting thought. You know, as Indiana reopens back up from the COVID-19 lockdown, we'll keep you posted on our plans for when and how we'll reopen church. But for now, you're more than welcome to attend our live stream service. Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. Just go to mygospelcity.org slash live. Again, that's mygospelcity.org slash live.
And why not follow us on Facebook by searching for Gospel City Church? Well, today we heard how Jesus has power over disaster and the demons. Next week, Micah will be back to conclude this message. He'll also show us from Luke chapter 8 that Jesus is also Lord over disease and death. I hope you'll join us for that. Well, thanks for listening today. I'm Aaron Paulus, and my prayer is that God's powerful word would resonate in your heart this week. Resonate is a ministry of Gospel City Church. Live stream our service at mygospelcity.org live.